When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Halos Heaven podcast. I'm Dominic Lorenz, joined by Cole Bailey and David Goodkind, talking all things angels. And this is the very first episode of the offseason. The 2021 angel season is officially over. It had pretty much been officially over for a good while before the regular season even ended. The angels go 77 and 85, fourth place in the AL West. And just to turn back time just a little bit, they did end the season on a good pace, winning two of three against the Seattle Mariners. No, did they knock off Seattle? No, because the Yankees and Red Sox ended up winning and canceling out the Mariners' hopes of returning to the postseason for the first time since the early 2000s. But there was a lot of good things from that series and that final road trip. And as we get into that, Cole, how we doing? David, how we doing? Uh, doing pretty good. It's been... A little weird not having the Angels on every day, but I've been having fun watching the uh, the playoffs so far, and hopefully we get a, a good World Series here. Yeah, same boat. It was a it was it was a lot of fun rooting against the Dodgers personally. Uh, rooting for something in the playoffs is always a, is always a good time, and just watching high caliber baseball is is super entertaining. So doing well. Yeah, no, it it is weird. You know, we've spent the last two and a half three months on the daily angel games, angel games, pre-games, post-game reports, news. And then all of a sudden we have this turnoff of no angels baseball for the last three weeks since the last time we did a podcast. So there's a void in our lives that we need to fill. And thank God baseball is a 365 sport. You know, even though you don't play every day, there's always news and notes to go around and not to foreshadow the podcast episode today. Uh, we will get into the World Series briefly near the end of the episode. Will it be the Astros? Will it be the Braves? We'll see what happens. But let's uh, see how the last week of the season went. The Angels lost two of three to the Texas Rangers and then one, two of three against the Seattle Mariners. Otani got to 100 RBIs. He was named Baseball America's Player of the Year. Um, David, I'll start with you. What did you take at least from the final three games, taking two of three against the Mariners? Well, it was kind of a theme of the season. The team was competitive throughout. They didn't always have the talent to, you know, match that competitiveness, but they, they played hard. They took the game seriously. There was a lot of emotion in, in all three games shown. So, you know, they cared. Um, so I thought it was a good um, indication of where the team is at mentally, at least heading into next season. There's a belief they, they, they like each other. They, you know, they want to win. So um, just kind of seeing that passion and the effort there still at the very end of the season when they, you know, no one would have blamed them for folding. I thought that was nice to see uh, and, and puts a little bit of more optimism heading into this offseason. There are the, the foundations there. 
and we saw it in, in that final series. Yeah, I feel the foundation's always been there for the Angels, and it's a matter of, it's always, and we've talked about this before, it's been so always some sort of tough luck. Injury bug is always the number one issue for the Angels. But it was good to see that competitive fire, and yes, the Angels weren't playing for anything themselves. They were in that spoiler category of, let's knock our division rival out of the playoff push. And Cole, I'll toss this one to you. As a joke a little bit, is Jared Walsh, one of the most hated angels in Seattle now. I know you tweeted about it when he homered the first two games of that series, but is yes, Jared Walsh potentially the hated angel in this great state of Washington? Um, I think by the end of that weekend, he might've been because he was bat flipping all over their hopes and dreams. But I think if I remember right, it was the first time Seattle was sold out for a non opening day series since like 2002 and you could hear it. It was very loud in that stadium all three days, but that didn't really phase the Angels, honestly. They played really well. They probably should have won all three games if they didn't blow the late lead in the second one, but it was just encouraging because it got the young guys that may be around next year a lot of that experience that they could have in the future. Like, I think the only person on the roster that had played in a playoff game at that point was Rysel Iglesias, and then everyone else was just young kids that didn't have that experience. It was, it was really encouraging to me to see them come out in that environment and, and like step up to the challenge. And I think it was a good way to end the season, not the best final record or not the one you would have wanted to see, but I think it was a good way to go into the off season like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they got some good performances as well from a lot of players that maybe were struggling throughout the month of September and ended the season on a high note. And I think the first player that comes to mind uh, was David Fletcher. You saw him really struggle after that long road trip that took the Angels to Detroit and Cleveland and Baltimore. He was batting well, but once he came home from that trip, the next month, he was, you know, for lack of a better word, a train wreck at the plate. If it was batting first, batting second, batting ninth, trying to find a spark. But those last three games in Seattle, he put together multi-hit games and, I think he needed that confident boost going into the offseason. So to see players like that, the Luis Renjifos, who could potentially be playing for a starting job next year, the Angels do indeed need a shortstop. Is he the fill guy? We'll see what happens this offseason. Jose Suarez is another young kid, I think, that after the way he pitched in Seattle the last time around, Joe Madden was very adamant, I'd say, that Jose Suarez – for what he did in 2021, he did enough to automatically already have a starting rotation spot going forward into the 2022 season, joining Shohei Otani as right now. Those are probably the only two locks with Alex Cobb being a free agent. I think they mentioned Sandoval as well. And Sandoval, if, you know, as always, if they come back healthy, I know Canning Mm -hmm. is out injured as well. And, you know, Jose Quintana is gone and Dylan Bundy will probably be gone. So as of right now, Clean bill of health and good projections. Otani and Suarez are your one-two punch before the free agent market opens up this fall. But speaking of the free agent market and the offseason that is now underway for Artie Moreno, Perry Manassian, Joe Madden, and the whole Angels front office, they got to work right away. Coaching changes, uh, two coaching changes already. There can be more, and there's also one change in the scouting department. And the two coaches will start with the uh, catching coach, Jose Molina, and third base coach, Brian Butterfield, have packed their bags. They are out. Uh, Jose Molina was 
a little bit of a shock. And I think to a certain degree, Brian Betterfield was a little bit of a shock as well. Um, Jose Molina had been in the organization since 2015. Uh, Brian Butterfield, a couple seasons as the third base coach. David, what does this show for the Angels in their path towards better days in 2022? Well, it, it's, it's interesting because obviously the front office is seeing that there, there are changes that need to be made, that things are not okay as is. Personally, I, I, I don't know if it was too apparent of, of issues being tied to those guys, but they may be, I think this may be Perry's moment here, his off season where he's going to start making his stamp on this franchise. These guys have been around for, you know, both, both Molina and Butterfield have been around with the team for a while. So I think he's going to start putting his, his guys in um, and really putting his mark on this team. This is where he really takes control. So that could be the signifier in all this, maybe not so much a knock on, on either of those two guys, but more of just Manassi and really, really taking hold of, of the franchise and saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to make the fixes or we're going to do it my way. So I think this is a precursor to probably more moves and, and, and a big off season where Manassian has his say. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of angel fans were kind of taken aback by at least the Jose Molina move, because if you look at the angels catchers this past season, Max Stassi, who had a breakout season, uh, set career highs in a lot of offensive categories. And defensively, he was extremely good as well. And I know Kurt Suzuki, a veteran catcher, played the backup role. And there were times where he hit the ball. And yes, sometimes his defense was suspect. But overall, the Angels' catching core was not bad this offseason. Right. I believe it. Statistic- I, I wouldn't say it was the problem. No, statistical category, the Angels had top seven in the American League catching by defensive metrics. So the Jose Molina move is a little strange but I agree with you Manassian wants to make his stamp on this team and coming in after a 2020 pandemic season you're saying okay I gotta fix a couple of things and hopefully ride the wave and get to the next offseason see what I can do and I think as we talked about before Joe Madden Shohei Otani Mike Trout making big statements saying we need to win we need to win now and we need to do whatever it takes to get to that and get over the hump maybe this is a small stepping stone into doing that. Now, every coach has his role, first base coach, third base coach, hitting, pitching, so on and so forth. The impact that Brian Butterfield had and to see him leave, what does that do now for the Angels trying to find that new third base coach? Um, With him specifically, I think the main reason behind that might have been the defensive struggles that the Angels saw on the infield this year because – if I'm not mistaken, he was the third base coach, but he also worked with the infielders. And infield defense was not as strong suit for the, the Angels this year. You had Jose Iglesias came in and really underperformed what we thought he was going to do on that end. Anthony Rendon wasn't as good on that end. Now, obviously, that's probably because of the injury, but it doesn't look good when there's multiple people regressing on that end. So I think that's the main area that they want to fix. And I think it's good that they're identifying that as an area they need to fix is that it's going to be very hard to have as subpar infield defense as the angels did this year and still like want to take that step forward because that's very important, man. Like you can't be making these errors or you can't just, it's very important for your pitchers because you can't be given free outs. That's the main thing. So I think that's an area that they've pinpointed as one that they think needs to improve. And I think it's good that they've done that. Yeah. And Joe Madden is always from day one 
with the Angels and even, you know, in his managerial career. It's all about defensive runs saved. He talks about it all the time. The fundamentals, doing the simple things will make the greatest impact on a team, on an organization. I think you, you hit the nail perfectly on that one. I think defensively, the Angels have great potential. And sometimes they show it, and sometimes there's those mental errors that come into play and can turn a potential one run given up in an inning to four or five. You want to limit those big innings, and defense is just one way of doing it. Now we know the Angels pitching is a whole nother conversation to talk about, limiting the opposing batters from actually putting the ball into play and, such, and things like that. But defensive is a big thing. So I think for Jose Molina and Brian Butterfield, two replacements that the Angels need to find. Now, to me, the most interesting one would be Matt Swanson. Swanson was the scouting director for the Angels. He had been in that position for the last five drafts for the Angels. And pretty much his biggest splash in the draft was Joe Adele. He tried doing all he could to try to fix the Angels' bullpen, get pitchers throughout the years. And some of them have come up and done okay, and some of them are still stuck maybe at the lower levels in the mid-levels of minor league baseball. So what does now, looking at it from the farm perspective in the Angels minor league system, how does that adjust the Angels' way of thinking? Because I know the Angels want pitching. Pitching, we saw it in this past draft. 20 players taken, 19 college pitchers, and one high school pitcher. David, in the grand scheme of things, in the Angels farm system, they're in the middle to lower half of Major League Baseball overall. Matt Swanson being out, how does that affect now the Angels minor league system going forward? Well, I think Manassi is probably going to try to mimic what he did in Atlanta a little bit here. I think talent's going to be evaluated differently, most likely. I, I wouldn't say that Swanson did a bad job by any means. There, like you said, there were, there were misses, but there were also hits, Adele being one of them. But... Um, in, in the long run, I think we're going to start seeing maybe a philosophy shift. Like you said, the pitching has now become a main focus. You have some, like the outfield is solidified for a while, especially if, if Adele and Marsh are, are the long-term solutions and all that. So I think pitching, the, 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 the minor league system and the Angels as a whole may turn to a uh, um, pitching first kind of franchise, which we – I don't know if anyone listening to this right now has seen in our lifetime the, the Angels being a pitching first franchise. So I think it's been a the, while. The analy- right. So the analytics are are um, are definitely going to shift towards that. I think it's a philosophy change, really. It's just it's they see uh, a lack that of uh, of a certain talent that the Angels have been missing for the better part of this century, and they're going to address it. And so I and I think they're going to maybe overdo it to an extent, like drafting all pitchers. That's where the focus is going to be. It's, I guess we won't really know exactly how that's going to play out until it does play out. So uh, it's something to keep your eye on. And again, throughout the whole, and, and this is the difficult thing about scouting and drafting. You could think you have the next Mike Trout and by double A, that player doesn't pan out. You could get somebody, for example, like a Jared Walsh, 39th round pick, probably someone you weren't even looking at. And now he's your starting first baseman and doing all-star caliber right. defense and offense. So it's always a gamble. So it's, there's no surefire thing, with whatever they decide to do with this. Correct. So, you know, the angels have a lot of work to do, but they also hired Connor Hinchcliffe. He's now a pitching analyst for the angels front office. He formerly worked at driveline baseball. Right. And then they also brought in another 
pitcher, former major leaguer Chris Carpenter, who was with the St. Louis Cardinals, he will join the minor league uh, organization as a mental skills coach for all minor league baseball pitchers within the Angels organization. So right there, they're addressing pitching and some other needs within the organization. Cole, what do you think of Hinchcliffe and Carpenter? And after those two guys, could there be potentially more coaching slash front office-ish changes going forward this offseason? I do think it's interesting that they're going more toward like the driveline style of development because we've seen other teams have success doing that in the past. Most notably, like the Cincinnati Reds have been big on that and it's worked out pretty well. And we heard some stories in the offseason of some of the Angels pitchers that were on the roster this past season go to driveline and kind of switch things up and have success. Like we heard Alex Cobb went there. We heard Shohei Otani went there. It is interesting that they're doing that. I think it's something that could pay off. Same with the Carpenter move. I think it's good to just get someone like as knowledgeable as he is. He had a very long big league career. He was a very successful pitcher. So I think getting someone that like that to work with the young guys is something that could pay off in the future. But in terms of other coaching changes, I think the one to look for might be Matt Wise if they are trying to overhaul this like pitching philosophy. It's kind of like weird to evaluate with him because he wasn't supposed to be the pitching coach this year. He was, I'm pretty sure he was the bullpen coach, but he was only thrust into that role because of the whole Mickey Calloway situation. But I think that's where the most likely changes might be. We'll know for sure within a matter of weeks because they got to start getting that stuff going if they are going to do it. But I think that might be next if I had to kind of look into the future. Yeah, Matt Wise, I will admit, I will give him a little tip of the cap here for him to come in right before the season with the whole Mickey Calloway scandal and say, okay, you're now the pitching coach for the Angels. Figure it out. Have fun. And yes, the Angels had their ups and downs pitching wise, but during the second half of the season, the starting rotation did do a pretty good job of keeping the Angels in ball games and look better than maybe the numbers said every once in a while. So I give Matt Wise credit in that regard. And, and I agree with you right there, Cole. I think, you know, the Angels know how to hit. And I think going into last year or the 2021 season, they weren't worried about hitting. They were worried about pitching. So I think on the hitting side of things, they could maybe put that to the side maybe for another year or maybe not make that the prime focus. And we saw it in the draft and we're seeing it now. It's all about pitching and this is where the organization wants to go. So maybe Matt Wise gets a second opportunity, a full off season and a full grid of time to really sink his teeth into this angels pitching coach situation, or maybe they just cut ties now or put him back to his former role and get somebody of true substance you know, would it be beautiful to bring back like the 2002 squad of Bud Black being your pitching coach again? Sure, why not? Let's bring back the old good old days with Joe Madden and Bud Black. But I think that's probably one of the moves that the Angels could make, if not the last move that wouldn't be, I would say, considered a surprise move as the Molina and Butterfield and even Swanson moves were when the news came out this past week, week and a half. Looking from coaching changes now, and now let's take a look a little bit into the money side of the Angels offseason. Five players currently on the arbitration eligible list, and that's Junior Guerra, Phil Gosselin, Max Stassi, Mike Myers, and Franklin Barreto. Now, we'll kind of sideline Franklin Barreto. Um, he was only 
arbitration money, 700,000 uh, bucks, but he got outrighted at AAA this week. So we'll just put him to the side for a minute. So between Guerra, Gosselin, Stassi, and Myers, and I'll give you the numbers, Guerra, 1.3 million, Gosselin, 1.5, Stassi, 2.7, and Myers, 2.2. Do they all stay? Do they all go? Do they adjust salary? David, in my opinion, I think Stassi, earned 2.7 and more this year. Gosselin earned 1.5 million and more this year. Myers and Guerra hit and miss. What's your take on at least the early arbitration numbers for the Angels? Yeah, I, I agree with you completely on that. Um, Guerra's the odd man out here with, with, with the, um, the four he mentioned. I wouldn't stress about him. Um, they, they need to replace him, if anything. Gosselin definitely earned, his, earned, earned arbitration. He, could, he has an argument for more with how much he played and, and how vital he was to the team at points this season. And I'm, I'm assuming he'll, he'll see decent playing time next year as well. Um, so yeah, 1.5 uh, is pretty fair, but I feel like he could, he could probably go up. Um, Stassi for sure. Uh, every day, the everyday catcher, and he's proven to be one of the, the better catchers in the American league. Um so, you, you know, they'll probably settle for something a little bit higher, I'm assuming, with him. Um, but not, not too much. I think that's a fair ask by him. Myers is the interesting one because he had a down year last year. I know he sort of picked it up towards the end a little bit, but it's definitely a far cry from what we've seen of him. What, what you do with Myers beyond me is I'm glad I'm not in that position because there's an argument both ways. He can be, he can, he can be a setup guy and he can – just be a guy you bang your head against the table when you see come in. So that one's the tricky one for me, Myers. I, I think you, you keep Stassi happy. Gosselin has an argument to make for more money. I, you, you pay him, you find a, a nice little middle ground. If, you, if he's fine with the one and a half, do it. I, I'd bring him back. It's Myers is the interesting one, I think, personally. I'm in line with David on this. I think Gosselin and Stassi locks. Myers, I can make a case for and – Maybe a little case against Guerra, yes, odd man out, and Barreto, odd man out. What do you think, Cole? Same, different, you make the call. Um, I'm going to try to play Mike Myers' defender here a little bit. Was it frustrating watching him at times, especially in the first half? Absolutely. Like, he first couple months, he had some, some outings that made us pull our hair out a little bit. But he got a lot better as the year went on. Like, I have his numbers right here from the beginning of July through the end of the season. He pitched 36 innings with a 3.22 ERA, and the peripherals lined up with that pretty well. So I think I don't want him in high leverage like he was this year. Like, I think if you can push him out of that eighth inning role, like, do that, please, because I don't want to be pulling my hair out late in games like that again. But I think there is a good reliever in there, and I think – it would be hard to find that kind of production for just the 2.2 million that he's projected to make an arbitration. So I get it was frustrating a little bit with him, but I think that's a good price point for a guy that finished the year with, what was it? 3.84 ERA, 90 strikeouts and 75 innings. Like you'll take that at 2 million. So I, I would like to keep Myers around at that price. And I think I agree with all of you on the other one. Stassi is a no-brainer. You have to bring him back. He's the starting catcher. Right. Goslin, I think 1.5 is fair. 1.5 is yeah, fair for Phil Goslin. 
ideally you'll have him back in the role that he was supposed to play this year where he was strictly a bench utility guy mainly plays against lefties because i think it's easy to forget that he was a lefty killer off the bench when he wasn't forced to play every day but i think 1.5 is fair for what he's able to do um i agree with junior guerra i think 1.3 million isn't a lot but he was not good this year and i think you could find someone else he by the end of the year he was just basically an innings eater and i think you could find someone else for that like you could but Jaime Bria in the bullpen and have him fill that role, for example. So right. I do agree that Guerra is probably a non-tender. Barreto as well. But I I will say with Barreto, I think, and I think it was Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register that mentioned this as a possibility. I wouldn't mind bringing him back on a minor league deal because he still obviously has the top prospect pedigree. And he was actually really good in spring training this last year before that injury that knocked him out for the whole year. So I do agree that he's probably a non-tender candidate as well, but I would be interested in keeping him in the organization somehow if he obviously wants to. Yeah, to keep that organizational depth alive in the Angels farm system. But here's a, looking at the arbitration numbers and especially looking at Goslin for a second, here's a scenario I'd like to bring to the table. Now, is it going to happen? No, but for conversation purposes, let's see what happens. If the Angels don't get a short, a, a big time shortstop here for a second. And I know a lot of conversation about is Ren Hifo auditioning in the last month of the season to be the starting everyday shortstop. Would you rather have Ren Hifo at shortstop and have the infield Rendon at third, Ren Hifo at short, Fletcher at second, Walsh at first, or move Fletcher to short and have Phil Gosselin as potentially your everyday second baseman? Which of those two options would you take? David, I'm going to start with you. You tell Probably me. the latter. Probably the latter. Um, you both know I'm not the biggest Renhifo guy. I, yes. I, when he's on, <laughs> when he's on, he's on. I'll give I'll give the guy his props. When he's on, he's on. But he can be a defensive liability. Um, struggles at the plate in big spurts. You know, so uh, the consistency just isn't there. And I know Gosselin's not going to fix that. But I think ultimately, what it comes down to also is I feel like if the Angels don't make that big splash shortstop. David Fletcher will eventually be the shortstop of the future for this franchise. If, if they don't sign like a Corey Seager or Correa like that, I, I think that's ultimately the move. And I know uh, Manassian talked about that a little bit uh, about the possibility of moving Fletcher to short. They said they play around with it. So uh, I know it's on the table. Um, if they don't get a, a, a shortstop this off season, I think that's going to happen as soon as next season. So um for me, I would take the latter. Um, I'm not ready to, I guess, give up completely on Renhifo. I know he, and, and it's funny saying that because he has such a strong end to the season. Um, I just haven't, I, we've seen him at both ends of the spectrum be really, really like po- a, a net positive for the Angels, right? And then just be completely awful. And we, we all want him DFA'd and all that stuff. So the, the frustration for me there, it just, you got to have some sort of consistency I'm not exactly, I wouldn't exactly be thrilled with Gosselin being the everyday second baseman either. Um, but if I had to choose a scenario, I'd probably take that right now. Just okay. because mostly Gosselin is a little bit more proven. Probably a little more veteran presence into the Angels. Yeah. Cole, yeah. What, Cole, what do you think about that? Because if David Fletcher, as David was saying, one David to another David, um, if, if Fletcher went from second to short and the Angels just did a fill-in second baseman this year, 
And we're at this point next year looking at the second base market as I look here um, at free agents. These would be the top second baseman heading into next offseason. Colton Wong, Rutnit Ordor, Jerickson Profar, uh, Cesar Hernandez, Kentel Marte, Wilmer Flores, Phil Goslin, and Adam Frazier. Those are your second baseman next offseason. So if the Angels were to do that, would you take Renhefe or Goslin? And would you hedge your bets going into the infield market next season? Uh, this is a, a tough question because the shortstop market this offseason is very, very strange. Because obviously you have the big name shortstops at the top that everyone knows. And then it's a pretty big drop off until then or uh, from those guys to the next tier. So I think they're going to have to get creative. And if you're giving me the choice between the two options you mentioned, uh, I think I would say Renhifo at short, just because I think I prefer David Fletcher at second. Cause we've seen him be just outstanding defensively at second. And I don't, I don't really want to mess with that that much, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation because you could pay one of those big name shortstops, but then you're up against it on the pitching side, which is obviously the biggest need. So I think, yeah, it's very interesting. They're probably going to have to look toward the trade market. If they're looking for a shortstop this offseason, I think that's probably the route they might need to go. Something in, I the, agree. Vein, something in the vein of the Jose Iglesias trade last year, where I it's agree. just like a, a stopgap option until – these young shortstops in their minor league system start to develop a little bit more. If you're giving me the choice between in-house, I'd probably prefer Renhifo at second, but in general, I think I would prefer that they try to hit the trade market for someone. Yeah. Cause Renhifo is the type of guy where, as David said, you know, fans, Oh, he hits a home run. We love him. If he goes over three in an error, you know, that's DFA this guy. And then Phil Gosselin, you know, the goose is loose every other game, if not every day. And he became a fan favorite. Now, the only thing that in my opinion, as I'm, you know, flipping around here, I mentioned the second base market next offseason, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but some of the big names on the shortstop market next season. So wherever the Angels want to maybe plug it second or short, you could have names like Xander Bogarts, uh, Gene Segura, D.D. Gregorius, uh, Tim Anderson, Alcides Escobar, Trey Turner, who's with the Dodgers, and Dansby Swanson as some bigger name shortstops on the market next year. So, you know, I feel there's a couple names on, the, on this year's market, that could work for the Angels. There's some on next year's market. So it depends. Do the Angels – I think it always depends on what they want to do with Fletcher. Is he second or is he short? Pick it, keep it, and then go from there. If I'm in the mind of Perry Manassian and Joe Madden for the moment, if I had to bet everything I own, I'm going to guess they probably like him better at second base than yeah. shortstop. I think it that's... is interesting to me that they did mention shortstop as a possibility, though. Like, I agree that they probably prefer him at second, but it is at least interesting that they mentioned that they could be willing to move him to short as well. This is where the puzzle pieces comes in. I think this is why I could never be a general manager, because I could never give money or arbitration money 1.3. I'd be, I would want the even numbers, 1 million, 1.5, 1 2. I don't want no 1.374, 900,000, whatever weird number dollars. And the whole puzzle piece of you can play here four days a week, and then let's shift you here and then pitch you here. And that's why I could never manage the National League when you lose the DH. I give it up for the managers that do it. I don't know how they do it. 
But there's a lot to be had, I think, at the arbitration and the defensive market for the Angels this offseason. And, you know, as we get closer here to the end of the fourth episode of the Halo 7 podcast, World Series, not to get off Angels talk for a little bit, but we have to. It's the World Series. Yes, the Angels aren't in it, but that is what it is. Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves, those are your representatives for the American League and National League, respectively. Houston knocked out the Boston Red Sox uh, four games to two, and the Braves knocked out the Dodgers four games to two. David, pick your winner and why. Well, I'm picking the Astros because of future angel Carlos Correa. <laughs> no, but um, I am. I am gonna. I am gonna take the Astros. Um, I, you know, it, I, I, I don't think they're gonna roll over the Braves like some people think. I think I, you know, it's. I think it's gonna go five or six, but I think every game is gonna be a battle. Uh, the Astros just, I'm, you know, you know, Todd, you listening to me, you probably get the theme of consistency is a big thing for me. And the Astros are that in spades, right? Like for, for example, the, the Braves probably got let off the hook, especially last night in, in game six, when the Dodgers had, you know, runners in second and third and, and no ball was put into play. Um, Astros aren't going to give you that. Like they're going to, they're going to, they're going to scratch a run across at least once. So you know, they, they're meticulous. Um, they're super talented. They're, you know, probably the most talented team in baseball. Um, their bullpen's been really good the second half of the season. Uh, they just don't have a lot of holes and they have a lot of guys that can punish you, especially with Kyle Tucker being as good as he is this year. So in Alvarez has, has been phenomenal this postseason. Uh, they still have Altuve, Correa and, and, you know, Bregman and all these guys so um it's just kind of uh monster after monster after monster and I don't I don't know how any team even if the if it were the Dodgers could keep up with these guys they're just they they've clicked at the right time and uh just a beast of a team and I'd be I'd be very surprised if they lost this series baseball fans around the United States and even around the world it's it's tough to grapple this world series because the consistency that the Astros have on paper is incredible offensively and in, in pitching the one demerit of course that everybody hates them for is the 2017 cheating scandal and right. how a lot of their players have, I don't want to say have taken pride in doing it, but they've kind of embraced that villain role of yes. major league baseball. So it's almost like a personal thing between fans and the team because I'm pretty sure 49 states are voting for the Braves and just the state of Texas is voting for the Astros. Right. So with that in mind, you know, as we will be, you know, neutral here for the moment as Angel fans, you know, take the cheating scandal out. Yes, I think the Astros, I think, are the more consistent team in comparison to the Braves. Now, the Braves are a great story, and I think they could get it done. But before I get my analysis into it, Cole, I want to see where you are on this. So David's got the Astros. And David, before I go to Cole, what do you think? Four games to two, best of six, seven. What are you thinking? Yeah, you know what? I'll give the Astros or I'll give the Braves another steal game. I'll say, I'll say Astros and six. Astros and six. Okay. So Cole, we have Astros and six with David. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I definitely picked the Astros. Nothing against the Braves, but that lineup is just ridiculous. <laughs> like one through seven, one through eight, there's literally no holes in that lineup. Like you have Kyle Tucker hitting seventh, like, come on. 
their starting pitching is a little up in the air right now. So I think that's one area that the Braves could take advantage of, especially with how hot those outfielders are. Eddie Rosario, especially, I don't know what's gotten into him, but he's the best player in baseball right now. I guess I him and Kike Hernandez. But... Mike, Trout, Mike Trout's not the goat anymore. I think it's Rosario and Kike. Yeah, until Kike's out. <laughs> yes, but uh, I think their bullpen is good enough to compensate for that. Like a lot of those moves that they made at the deadline to shore up their bullpen have worked out really well this postseason. And then they obviously have the lineup to overcome any shortcomings that might come from that uh, that starting rotation. So my prediction would probably be Astros. I would probably say six games as well, though I would not be surprised if it went seven because of those starting pitching issues. But I would I would also say Astros and six if I had to pick who I think will win, not who I want to win. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think we all want the Braves to win. But we're like I said, we're going to be neutral and we're going to be uh, scholars of baseball here and look at the numbers and not get into our feelings as much. But yes, do I think with my mind that the Astros will win? Probably. Do I think it'll go six? Yes. You, you guys said it all. There's no holes in that lineup. The consistency. I do feel the bullpens for both teams are pretty evenly matched in that regard. And, and I think depending on how the Astros starting pitching lines up, um, maybe the Braves can catch a break in one or two of these games and just kind of catch, you know, Garcia on a bad day with his knee or maybe they get a hold of Grinky's 67 mile an hour curveball and you know shank it out of Truist Park or Minute Maid Park but I will give a little love to the Braves you know they've played extremely well this postseason they knocked out a great Brewers team they knocked out a great Dodgers team and they, they deserve to be here for sure yeah absolutely absolutely especially after last year during the pandemic season where you thought they maybe had a shot at the Dodgers, but the Dodgers were just too strong and they overtook them. Um, it's good to see a veteran like Freddie Freeman finally have an opportunity to shine in the fall classic. Um, they do have decent starting pitching. I think if I had to, you know, rank some things offense, I give the edge to the Astros starting pitching, probably give the slight edge to the Astros bullpen. I would give the edge to Atlanta because you saw more of Atlanta's bullpen in the NLCS than you did the Astros as much. So maybe just viewing them a little bit more, I would rank them a little bit higher, but overall, you know, the Braves have players, like I said, Freddie Freeman, Rosario's played well, Austin Riley's played extremely well. Dansby Swanson defensively has been great. And Ozzy Albies is another consistent player. And they're doing all this. Remember without Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. They're, and, they're a great story, man. They're a great story. You know, going into the all-star break, I remember MLB Network or ESPN or somebody talking to Ozzy Albies uh, during the home run derby or even during the all-star game. They were four games out of the NL East because the Mets were in first and the Phillies were battling. And everybody said the Braves are done. Acuna is hurt. He's their heart and soul of this team. They can't do it. And all of a sudden, game by game by game, month by month, they rallied off together, got the division, and now they're in the fall classic. So with my heart, I'm going to say Braves in seven. It's going to take a lot for that to accomplish. But is the world ready for the Astros to win a World Series again after 2017? I don't know. I don't know if the world's ready for that. Because <laughs> I don't Carlos, think the world is ready. Carlos Correa forever in a day will take that and run. You have no idea what the world will concur if Carlos Correa gets his hands on that World Series trophy, I don't know what will happen. But yeah. my head, my head says Astros in six. 
but my heart for good measure will say Braves and seven. So yes, I'm playing the, the neutral 50, 50 card, but we'll see what happens. But before we end here on the podcast, I wanted to bring this up earlier um, when we talked about the end of the angels, 2021 season, but I thought, why not? Let's end it on the show here. End it on a good note, quick kind of rapid fire style. Um, favorite slash top game of 2021. I know uh, here at Halos heaven, not to give myself a self-promotion, but I put an article out about the top five angels games um, and another shameless promotion for Halos heaven, go on out and check, you know, Cole's articles, David's articles, Taylor, Ariana, They've all done great work. And I know Taylor just put together the Jose Molina, Brian Butterfield, Matt Swanson coaching report. So check all that out. Um, and feel free to interact with us on social media. I know Cole and David do a lot on polls and different things on social media, especially on Twitter. So go check that out. But top five games of 2021 uh, has been put out, at least in my opinion, our opinion, what we want to do. Um, so Cole, I'll start with you. What was your favorite game of 2021? and why in rapid fire style here to end the show? Um, there's a couple that come to mind, but I think the, the one that stands out above all else is that Tigers come back back in August because that was the first game that I had to recap for Halo 7 when we came on the site. And I was having a little bit of fun on the Twitter. They fell down 10 to 2. I remember I put out a poll that said, which position player is going to pitch for the Angels in the eighth inning of this game? And they made me look a little silly. I'll admit, but it was it was very fun to just watch them fight in that game man like you had contributions everywhere you had Otani doing stuff you had Stassi with the big home run you had Austin Warren shutting things down for a two inning save with Rysel Iglesias out of that one so it one holds a little bit of sentimental value because that was the first recap I did but I also think that was just a very fun game regardless so I think that's the one I would choose as my favorite yeah oh the humbling uh experiences of the social media world. Yes. I was got upset, a little taste but on. It did it did make <laughs> me look a little silly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So August 19th. That was August 19th against the Detroit Tigers. So that's Cole's favorite. Uh David, where is your top game of 2021 and why? Oh, I really enjoyed the the June 30th uh, Yankee game. Uh you know early on Otani gets knocked out in the first inning and I think there was a rain delay. It just it's kind of kind of a hellish day for the angels to start out and then to end super late, basically crushing Yankee fans dreams. And, you know, they were calling for Boone's head afterwards and all this, the, the comeback without Otani and you have Walsh hitting two home runs and just, just the bat flip on that second one in the ninth. And uh, at the time, it seemed like it shattered the Yankees world. And it just what a comeback all this without Otani, the improbability of all of it uh, was pretty insane. And um that kind of magic is, is hard to come by in the season. So seeing that was uh, probably my top moment of the year. Yeah. Well, How often do you see a game tying grand slam in the ninth inning, like that right. down four, like you don't see that very often. Just yeah. the heroics of everything. I think it was, it was, it was being yes. Jared Walsh doing it against Araldis Chapman lights out close, who very rarely gives up home runs to left-handed hitters. So that right. one was, a, I considered that one as well. Yeah, you know, to send Yankee fans home bitter at like 2 a.m. Eastern time, which you know oh, is going to be bitter the whole rest of their day. And Cole's Yankee's favorite. Twitter 
was yeah. in shambles that day. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> and, was. And Cole's favorite, Luis Renjifo getting the game-winning hit just to solidify him being at short next year. But <laughs> hey, I didn't go that far. I didn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that those two games, as I wrote about, those were those were two top games. At least I put the Tigers game number one and the Yankees game number two. So I'll be contrarian a little bit. And yes, I know these are all in the article, but they're just they're just that type of highlighter games that or were really great and highlighted the strength of this Angels team. I was at this game, and it was a great way to start off the first series of the year. Easter Sunday, April 4th, um, Otani's first time back on the mound since 2019. He missed all the 2020, and his offense wasn't there either. And to have a, by Otani standards, a decent game on the mound. <laughs> that was know, before he started to figure out his command as the yeah, year went on. So he's Five walks. He was chaotically good in that game, we'll say. He was chaotically good, crushing a 451 foot home run, sending Matt Vasgersian on Sunday night baseball into a flipping frenzy. And if you thought that was a frenzy, the the greatest quote potentially of the season, the the laughing he went to Jared on the walk off. That one was great. Last. Um, I think just that game encapsulated it was the first time the Angels had like a great opening series to start the year. They take three of four from the Chicago White Sox. Normally we're playing Oakland. Great. We have to do it again in 2022, <laughs> again, but we get, you know, typically get Oakland, lose three or four or split a four game series. And, you know, we come shrugging our shoulders back to Angel stadium against like the Kansas city Royals or something, mm-hmm. but it was just a good opening weekend though. Even though it was a limited crowd due to COVID, it was electric with Otani Sunday night, baseball, yeah. Walsh stadium was home runs. The stadium was, was really loud in that game. Just watching on TV. Oh, it was. How for how small a capacity they had because of the COVID restrictions, like it looked it sounded loud in that stadium that day. Yeah, there was about 15, 16,000 in, in house that day, and they were just electric for Shohei Otani. And it was just a great atmosphere. First time, you know, fans could see Joe Madden managing the Angels in person. Um, and this was before the whole extend Rysel Iglesias movement you know hit this was his first four games of the year where you're like oh gosh are we gonna have to find a new closer and then Rysel the messiah came about you know in May and and so forth but it was just a good way to start the season and you know the Angels at the beginning of the year were eight and two or eight and three when they knocked out the twins that day before the twins COVID scare and then all the injuries came and then you know it was just the black cloud that came above but I will say April 4th against the Chicago White Sox, Otani's first game back in Walsh. The beginning of the Walsh pimping home run era began. Yep. Yes. <laughs> a glorious era. He the was, glorious he was era. on a lot of, a lot of hopes and dreams. This I year. think, I think Halo's heaven. I think we need to create some pimping Walsh shirts or something and go to Angel Absolutely. Stadium. Absolutely. Might need to do yeah. a, another, another top five list. Best Jared Walsh bat flips of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for fans, I think this would be a perfect opportunity as we as we finish up here at the podcast. We're going to call out our our quote unquote boss Blake uh, Blake Harris. You know, you can follow him. Um, what's his Twitter handle? Something True Blue LA or something. Blake you know, Harris TBLA, I believe it is. There you go, Blake Harris TBLA. He loves his Dodgers, but um, let's get on the bandwagon and make him some like Walsh pimping home run shirts and 
pimp those suckers out at Angel Games. Thanks, Angels. Thanks, Angels. Hey, he's joining. <laughs> he's joining us now on the postseason couch of watching it from home at on TV. But uh, we love you, Blake. Don't worry. This is all in good fun. Don't 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 have us whacked. Yeah, don't fire <laughs> We're all fired. This is it. This is the last podcast we're done, folks. <laughs> but on that note, all in good fun. Halos Heaven podcast episode number four, joined by Cole Bailey and David Goodkind. I'm Dominic Lorenz. Thanks, fans, for joining us again. Episode five. We'll be coming out soon, and maybe we might have to have Cole put out a poll on maybe a little fan Q&A action. Yeah, we could do a mailbag, I think. I think a mailbag for the fifth time around. Pulse of the people. Absolutely. We'll get a pulse of the people next time around, so stay tuned for that. But for myself, Dominic Lorenz, Cole Bailey, David Goodkind, we thank you for listening and tuning in. And until next time, keep following the Angels and keep following Halos Heaven on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you guys all next time. Enjoy the World Series.